Hey, Richie, where's your brother? Howie, come out here. The guys are here. Is he still dealing with the agoraphobia? <laughs> yeah, dude, he hasn't left the house in six months. There he is. <laughs> hey, Howie. How's it going, buddy? Hey, guys. How did hitting the balls go? We played an actual game against real people. You should have been there. It was classic. All these punk teenagers are like, get off our field. And we're like, we'll play you for it. And we did, and we beat them. And I hit a foul, dude. It was sweet. It was awesome. You got to videotape it next time so I can see. Buddy, just come with us. <laughs> no. It's not that scary. And you could use a little sun. Trust me. Outside bad. The sun's scary. It's not, it's not my friend. He wants to hurt me. Safely. All right, welcome back to another week of Muskies on Tap. I'm your host, Gus Manti. And before we get started, just want to thank Jeff Widman for coming on the podcast last week. We had a great time talking with him. And on another note, we've been seeing some good numbers increasing the last few weeks and listeners. So we just want to we want to welcome our new listeners and thank our day ones. Unfortunately, tonight, Brian is not going to be with us. He was partying too much this weekend, but I am joined by our other co-host, Max Manti. Max, how are you doing tonight? You're standing right next to me, and what are you drinking? What's on tap? It's a pleasure to be here tonight, Gus. Uh, thankfully, he was able to spend a weekend up in the Northwoods, so... Coming off a great uh, weekend celebrating our dad's birthday. I will miss Brian tonight. Uh, seeing his shining face every Sunday night just gives me gives me hope going into the new week. So I'm going to really miss him tonight. I hope he gets his much-needed beauty rest. Um, tonight, I am tapped in with a Keweenaw Brewing Company uh, pickaxe. Light, delicious. Also from from the land near and dear to our heart, just north of us in the Upper Peninsula. Uh, haven't checked out this brewery. I would highly recommend they got a bunch of good stuff. Gus, I know you got a, a new beer that we, um, I know we've, I've been drinking in for a little bit of time, but it's, it's been recently introduced to us here on the boat. And I would say that it's almost a, a little bit of a lucky beer having on the boat. I think it might be now. It's not, like you said, it's not a new beer to us at all. I've, I've had this one before, but you know, bringing it on the boat, that was some good luck and it's tasting good right now. It, Tasted pretty good after some fish this morning, and that's a Montucky cold snack right there. And I tell you what, this thing is refreshing. So uh, I'm enjoying this. I'm going to enjoy this during our podcast and might be cracking into another. They're so good. So what's on the docket tonight, Max? Yeah, I think tonight's going to be a little bit of a hodgepodge. We got a big few weeks coming up here. Um you know, we got a, a guest on next week that we're really looking forward to, and I hope you guys will, um, you know, really enjoy it as well. And also, we have the PMTT coming up here in a few weeks at Lake Vermilion. So really gearing up for that. Uh, you know, the, the week prior and the week after that will be kind of dedicated to the uh, the PMTT up at Lake Vermilion. Got a few uh, few big weeks on the horizon here for the Muskies on Tap crew. I think tonight we'll just do a little midsummer. Uh, report here on what's going on in the north woods and probably just you know shoot the shit a little bit on kind of some of the the fish we caught uh this weekend kind of how we did as gus mentioned you know we do have a few new followers so you know just kind of wanted to re reiterate excuse me there you know the the main purpose of this podcast you know obviously it's kind of tailing gus's journey through being a guide 
uh, in the industry, but also, you know, we're, we're looking to keep things kind of live, especially here in the North woods of Wisconsin and kind of just keeping people up to date on what's going on, what Gus is seeing being on the water, you know, nearly every day. And then as much as we can sprinkle in these interviews, you know, Gus mentioned the, the interview we just did with Jeff Whitman. That was a blast. I think, you know, a lot of people enjoyed kind of that change of pace and we, you know, definitely enjoyed having him on. Um, so as much as we can kind of sprinkle in some of these interviews here and there with some other people in the industry, you know, I think that's cool. Just kind of, you know, hopefully kind of tying the community together. Uh, a few more housekeeping items that are exciting. Gus, I can kind of let you expand on this, but we did get our first batch of merch, some muskies on tap sweatshirts and uh, yeah, dished them out to some family and friends. I think they were a hit. So I don't know what the plan is with, with what we're going to do in merch here. Um, we really kind of haven't thought through it, so we'd like to almost hear from you guys. Um, but I think ideally we would probably like to, you know, sell some to people that listen to this and think the logo is cool. Uh, we'll probably put some up on our Instagram, but I don't know, Gus, do you have any grandiose, uh, some merch plans in store for muskies on tap? No, not really. Honestly, I think we just want to hear from you guys. And if you want to send over some chats to muskies on tap on instagram that would that would be great and that would kind of get us an idea on maybe what people are looking for because at, at the moment we just have hoodies we tried out a a full logo in front and a a different color with just a uh just an upper chest small logo and we definitely like the way they turned out but we don't know if it's the exact route we want to go yet we we still got to chat that over and i know in the future Having hats would be cool. Stickers would be cool. Koozies, uh, you know, all that good stuff. And that would be, that would be pretty nice to have. Um, so yeah, like I said, just send some stuff over to the chat and, and, uh, then we can kind of go from there. Perfect. All right. Well, let's dive into some midsummer musky fishing here. Uh, Gus, do you want to just generally talk about this time of year, you know, as a whole on what people should be looking for here in the North woods of Wisconsin and then, you know, I think we should start to kind of maybe riff about, you know, the few opportunities we got out together this week. We, you know, were able to put a few fish in the bag, including a really awesome kind of fast and furious four fish morning this morning, Sunday. Uh, you know, we followed that, um, I guess, after a, a nice two fish morning on Saturday. So, you know, it, fish were going this weekend. It was it was great to see, uh, but we had a lot of fun. Uh, got on the boat with our dad on Saturday, again, celebrating his birthday. And then this morning, uh, we were able to get out with our buddy Clayton Spies, um, who's been on the podcast prior, uh, also a buddy of ours on the PMTT trail and here locally in, in Eagle River. He's a guide, guide as well. Um, you know, we were able to get on a pile of fish this morning. I think we ended up getting four in the net and contacted around 13 fish in a pretty short amount of time. So, um, I'll turn it over to you if you want to kind of just riff about what's, uh, what's been, what's been going on. Yeah. Since the last podcast, I gotta say fishing's been pretty damn good. There was a lot of good bites going on this last week. Uh, for me, I've mainly been getting out in the mornings. I've heard some reports of some people fishing in the afternoons and that water temp was creeping up into some hot, you know, creeping up into some hot territory there, but in the morning, it's been just fine. I've been seeing mainly 74, sometimes 73, even in the morning up to about 76 by midday. 
And that's been pretty typical, especially if there's a little cloud cover and a little bit of chop on the water. It's keeping that, it's keeping the water from boiling. And uh, I think that's good. And it's keeping the temps in a good range where these muskies are eating and they're eating frequently because there's been windows on moon. There's been really, really good windows from about 8 to 10 a.m. of just sometimes wind pickup, sometimes wind going away. Sometimes it's the sun peeking out. Sometimes it's cloud arrival. I mean, it's all different stuff, but we've been able to get some really, really good bites between like 8 and 10 a.m. And they don't even have to be moon related. And pretty much to touch on that, on what was going on the whole week, all the way up until this morning on uh, Sunday of this week, it is the 6th of August. Uh, they have been smashing tubes, mag dogs, and deuces. And other than like, uh, I think one fish was on a regular bulldog, it's been the, you know, the mag size stuff. That's pretty much been getting all the big bites. Um, I think there might have been one ninja tube fish in there, but the other ones are all the monster tubes, and that seems to be like the shining star. I mean, there was times when blades would just seem like it would overrule it, but then you'd still get a fish on rubber, like you know, within that same time period. So, uh, I mean, I don't, I'm not gonna riff on it too much because it's it's just what's been working, uh, just getting. The big rubber out there, uh, big blades, kind of been working in some of the staggers in the smaller category as well. Uh, but when I use those, it's typically burning them over like peak moon to get like the most ferocious strikes or maybe really, really hot follows. But mainly for structure that I'm looking for right now has been primarily weeds still. Uh, there's a few spots where we've been getting fish to move where there's some rocks scattered in. Uh, still, you know, weeds in the area, but it seems like there might be a possible rock push here soon. I don't know. That's just me predicting, but still the weeds have been absolutely dominating. And that's basically a combination of weed points, uh, thick weedy bays that have a deep weed edge on the outskirts and main lake weed bars out in the middle of the lake. That's pretty much been the staples I mean, fishing the wind as best as you can. I, I think there might have been some bites and some slack-ish water, but mainly when that wind's kicking up, you're going to have your best bites and, and you know your best opportunities at multiple bites. So it, it felt like at the beginning of the year, um, the, the main thing we just kind of kept harping on was it felt like at least here in the Northwoods of Wisconsin that if you weren't fishing during a moon phase of some sort, it, you might as well just been casting in the parking lot. I mean, realistically, it was that the the windows were that tight. I think over the past probably two to three weeks, we finally started to see fish fired up outside of windows, uh, which has been really promising. And it definitely makes a full day on the water a lot more fun when you actually feel like you can get a bite outside of a moon window. So I want to ask you this, Gus, because I think it's something to kind of touch on and something that I've been become more in tune with over the past few years of fishing. But, you know, when you're out on the water and you're not in a moon phase, you know, what are some of those little subtle things that you're looking for uh, on the water? Honestly, it seems like these fish are more in tune with it than we are. And not that it seems, it's just they are because I think, there was the one bite this morning. I don't think it was super windy. 
and I can't remember like where the sun was behind the clouds, but I think I got the bite, an absolute ferocious strike halfway back on double tens, got the fish in the bag. I think as we were releasing it, the wind just starts kicking up and kicking up and kicking up. So it's like, you can't even predict before it comes. The fish just knows. So that's, that's why it's so important to fish those mornings hard and, and kind of know that there's going to be like a couple of those weird windows that aren't even close to moon. I mean, we're in between two moon phases this morning when we got three of the four, I want to say. So just kind of looking for those little subtle differences in the weather. I mean, the the best way, obviously, to get a bunch of fish is just fish hard and fish as long as you can. But I mean, if you're sitting there eating a snack and all of a sudden you feel the wind kick up, that's probably a good indicator to get a lure out in the water. Uh, that's... I don't know. That's probably what I'm looking for. It's just like the subtle little weather changes that usually you don't think twice about. But if you kind of glance around and, and you're staring at the clouds, hopefully still, you know, engaged in your lure, but at least looking at the clouds and realizing that they're changing shape or they're leaving or they're incoming or the sun's about to peak out. I mean, big things like that. We've even seen one day where it was like, juiciest of juicy big clouds and it was really nice when it was dark uh like the sun was behind the clouds and there's good wind you know pouring into the area we we're fishing every fish that showed up and we got to bite was when the sun actually peaked out it was really weird it was like when it was at its sunniest it was a weird day but it doesn't always work like that but sometimes it's just weird like that because muskies are cool and dumb Another thing I wanted to touch on, and again, I mean, you know, you can take this for what you will, but one thing I've noticed, and you, you know, you can agree or disagree. You've been on the water more than I have over the past few weeks, but something that I've seen, I guess, just fishing with you is, you know, we, we've been pretty fortunate enough to be in the boat with, you know, at least us two, obviously. And then if not a third, and it feels like we are getting a lot of action from that, you know, call it that third guy, the kicker guy, almost throwing off the other side of the boat. Now, granted, we're fishing a lot of, you know, large kind of expansive weed beds is kind of what we've keyed in on. You know, some of the main lake weed beds, uh, main lake points, kind of like your most obvious structure. If you look at like a Navionics Lake or if you just drove around, you know, find your <laughs> literally your A1 spots just visually that's kind of the spots we've been fishing, but there's been a good amount of bites that have come kind of, you know, with that lure coming on a different direction, you know, whether it's casting off the front of the boat at a 45 degree angle, like at your two o'clock, you know, and most of that cast has kind of pushed a little bit off the break or maybe on some scat scattered weeds off that kind of, you know, definitive edge. Um, but we've been pulling fish kind of off that. Would you kind of agree with that? That I feel like, you know, we've seen a lot of, you know, nice fish that have been either kind of hanging right on that edge or even sometimes like a half to a full cast off of it. I completely agree on that. I mean, there's there's a lot of these weed beds that we fish that there's choked out weeds and then there's somewhat of an edge and then there's weed lanes and then there's deep, deep weed pockets. And in the deep weed pockets, I got to say prim primarily all the action we get is when the boat's up in the crap and we're casting out to it because I'll watch other boats go through there and, and we're fishing, you know, pretty popular lakes and 
I kind of, I'm like keeping my eye on them. Cause you know, I'm seeing if they're getting a follow or if they catch one and they're just casting in the whole time, still fishing the same, the same weed edge, the same structure. And, and they just, I don't know, that might be like the key is just to be that much different by having your bait coming in just in one different direction. And that seems to be a pretty big thing to get some, some bites, you know, some extra bites, you know, there's always that hot fish that's just going to annihilate the first bait it sees. But another thing that I've been doing, I know I've been talking a lot about blades and rubber, blades and rubber, and it's true. I mean, I've kind of thrown in there a few crankbaits, suics. We throw in our fair share of top water and it's kind of been, you know, not good lately. But with the uh with the rubber and blades, we have seen some pretty crazy differences in just one day. I mean, we've watched it go from blades are king. You might get one fish maybe to hit on rubber, maybe one to follow. And then the next day you won't even get a sniff on blades and they're only going to touch a mag dog ripping at a million miles an hour. And that's just kind of been it is that when I'm out on trips, I, you know, I don't have clients rifle through baits, but I mean, if they got a staple on and, and we went through a juicy spot that I know there should be, you know, at least a couple fish or at least a 35 should come flying up at it. I'm like, all right, we're switching sizes or we're switching typically not colors. It's just size. I think, I think it's the profile that these fish are keying in on, on a day-to-day basis that has been changing. Yeah. You're saying ripping that rubber at a a million miles an hour, but I kind of want you to be a little bit more specific on how you're ripping it because I think as we've seen too, you know, two guys in the boat might be throwing rubber and one guy is getting bites and the other one's not. So you know, is there a specific way that I guess you could kind of shed some light on, on how you are working that rubber bait? Well, there's a few times that we're getting popped early in the cast. So I don't even know how picky some of those fish are, but when, when I'm looking back on footage and we're getting some bites, you know, at least a third of the way into the cast, you know, bringing it back, I'm watching and there's definitely a lot of ag- aggressive up rips, whether it be a Medusa mag dog tube, toad whatever whatever you know rubber you're using as long as you're i don't know i'm trying to like think of a a rhythm or a cadence but don't get too rhythmic is the key where i'll do like a pop 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 i mean pretty much as fast as that give it a pause and then do maybe a sweep sweep another pause and then i'll just start you know ripping again at a pretty fast cadence and then give it a pause and they're pretty much eaten when they should be on the longer pause, but we've been getting some ferocious strikes when we're going pop, 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 pop. And they're just eating within one of those extremely fast pops. And that's difficult to to get them in that. I mean, there's been a few times where they hopefully hit it right, but typically with that, with the weeds that we're fishing, I mean, some of the areas you can, you can give it a pause and let it drop into the pockets, but there's some areas where, we're pretty much looking at our bait come through the water the whole time. Even if it's clear water, murky water, stained water, it doesn't matter. Like we're keeping that bait within the top foot of the column, pretty much like what you would do with burning a blade is keeping it in the top one foot. And that's pretty much what we're doing with rubber. And I think probably the one that's getting the most ferocious strikes would probably be a mag dog 
I think Max, if you agree, I think what we have kind of found and liked is that we actually really, really favor the standard original harnesses on the Muskie Innovations, you know, Bulldogs, because we'll just like a Medusa, they got the straight wire harness in the inside. You can bend the nose down quite a bit. And if you tune it just right, it should pretty much walk like a well-tuned Suic. So when you're popping it really quickly, instead of that bulldog just coming through the water like a tube sock, it's basically working, you know, it could be almost like a glide bait or like a glide tube combination. I don't even know. It's just the way it, it's it's just making an arc in the water. And I think I think that hopping motion is kind of been key because the tubes are pretty much I say tubes a lot because they're back to being an absolute dominance, getting pretty much a bite a day at minimum. I mean, they're not getting many follows right now, and I'm really digging that because that's making me throw it with more confidence that I'm like, okay, next fish that's at least a little bit fired up and ready to be triggered is about to annihilate this thing. Well, on the, the midsummer musky front, I don't know if I have too much more to add. I mean, it, it was a good weekend. Like I said, we were able to boat some good fish. I think the all-star of the weekend, I mean, I don't want to pump his tires too much, but Clayton Spee showing up at uh, the boat launch this morning, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed after getting a Snapchat of him at the bar last night at 1 a.m. was damn impressive of a feat. It was like the old school days where no one really has a cell phone where we kind of just floated the idea out to him for him to meet us out at the launch this, this morning. And, uh, you know, my, uh, I, I don't think I had much confidence that he was going to be there. And next thing I know, we just see this car tailing us as we're heading into the launch and sure as shit, it's clay. So that was hilarious. I mean, I don't even think he got any much of a confirmation that we were going to get up there and get out there as early as we said we did, because we're pretty famous for saying that we're going to get to the launch at, you know, call it 6.30 a.m. and we'll show up at 8 or whatever. Um, but, you know, that was uh, that was hilarious. So it was good to good to get back out on the boat with him. Um, you know, we're we're excited. We're, we're, you know, like I said, we're doing that Lake Vermilion thing. We're going to have a, a cabin full of eight people and. Um, you know, that's going to just be a freaking musky, musky den pretty much. So, um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, we, like I said, we got out with our dad on Saturday and, uh, only got to fish for a few hours. Um, Gus was pretty much the star of the day. He was throwing most of the Magnum size stuff and yeah, just kind of the, he kind of just reassured that that was the bite that was going. We, we weren't out there, like I said, for too long. And, uh, you know, we were able to manage two nice fish. Gus got a, a nice mid forties fish, um, and you know, another nice kicker fish. And then today, uh, you know, had a bunch of really nice fish and Clayton had a, a very beautiful tiger that I think I just threw up on the, the story of the tiger making a crazy jump. And Gus was talking about when rubber's getting hit. I mean, that hit was pretty damn cool about, I don't know, 10 feet away from the boat. And, uh, on the pause, sun was shining down at that point in time. And so, um, we all got to see this tiger just kind of flare up and, you know, come from a weed bed and just absolutely engulf this Medusa. So that was awesome. Um, man, when they want to eat right now, they really are. I mean, I, my fish today on the double tens, the fish came out of the water to hit it. So that was pretty awesome. And, you know, the two hits you got today were both awesome eats as well. And, 
had a few really nice fish into the eight. I mean, I had an upper forties today come in and do a dance with me for about four or five turns and just couldn't get it to go uh, amongst a, a pile of other fish. So yeah, it's a good weekend. I'm excited to see, uh, kind of how things progress for you, uh, this week coming up here. It sounds like you're going to be able to do some exploring. So I'm excited. Yeah. Before we kick off some Q and a here shortly, I'll just quick preface with what's going on this week. Uh, give a quick look at the weather. It's not going to be very reliable on what I'm saying right now, because it said there was going to be a cold front tomorrow, Monday, and all of a sudden it just changed and it's just like, nope, it's actually not going to come until Friday. So it got pushed back. It's still going to be a little bit warm this week. And I am going to for sure get out in the mornings and I don't have this, this week I actually do not have a trip booked and I am going to use it as fishing only big fish water and going to new lakes that I have never been to before and might even not have too much research on it before. Hopefully I can have some buddies, uh, you know, meet up with me and get some more baits in the water. Cause that's always key no matter what time of year it is, but I'm really excited for that. So pretty much it's just going to kind of stay with this warm weather. I got to think it's going to be the same program. I am going to have probably a small, I'm probably going to have a reg dog or a ninja tube locked onto one rod, probably some sort of mag dog or larger on the other rod, and then a blade to be kind of switching out here and there during usually peak moons or when that when that wind's really kicked up. But I am beyond excited to do some exploring, potentially, you know, on my own or with some buddies this week because I've been nice and busy, which is always good with some guiding. And that has been going actually very well. Have some very good success. And I hope to get some picks out to all of you guys soon on the old IG and Facebook. So, you know, stay tuned for that. But I've been having an absolute blast with clients and, you know, it's been really fun teaching people how to, you know, snap rubber firsthand. You know, it's kind of, I hope you slightly maybe got an understanding of how I've been working rubber lately. You know, if you have more questions, feel free to shoot me a message, but it's been a lot of fun, you know, teaching, teaching people how to snap rubber and, and then watching them, you know, get their first rubber fish and just seeing their eyes light up and, they're like, oh my God, I've never felt a fish hit so hard in my life. And I'm like, yeah, the, you should see one that's a foot longer, <laughs> takes the rod out of your hand and, and uh, as we like to call it, decleats you, shifts those feet, you know, get the, get the shuffle going on. It's Max just said the, the musky feet, maybe the musky dance. And uh, no, that's, it's been an absolute blast lately of uh, a lot of fish boated and have a bunch bunch of trips scattered here and there throughout this month and working into the fall which is don't want to sound too grim but that's arriving we saw a small tree where we were with a slight color change at the top so <laughs> things are happening the weather is a change in and these fish i think are still just going to keep firing up and i am just excited to get back on the water every single day because i think this bite's just going to continue to stay 
really good and the windows are gonna continue to stay elongated throughout the whole day which is the best part knowing that a fish could eat at absolutely any moment i mean they're eating on east winds west winds south winds north winds it doesn't even matter they're eating on no wind it's awesome so let's kick off some q a max what's the first one all right i thought this was a pretty interesting question gus so i'll be curious to hear your thoughts um also shout out everyone who wrote uh some q a this week obviously you know without any guests with no brian to you know kind of expand on some of these thoughts we're a little bit uh you know short on content so uh i put this out at like 4 p.m on sunday and we got some awesome questions within the first few hours so we're gonna riff on these for a little bit uh first question comes from uh mong nation hopefully i pronounced that right on instagram Gus, I'll be curious to hear hear your thoughts on this. So the question is, looking back to when you started seriously targeting muskie, what would you have done differently to put more in the net? So I kind of read that question as, you know, if you're a beginner angler um, and maybe you lack, you know, full tackle box full of wreck and rack baits with custom colors and live scope and all these great tools that we have now at our disposal, you know, what, what would you do as somebody maybe with some limited equipment, just kind of getting started out to, to really try to, you know, start putting fish in your net, um, as soon as you can. Well, I'm going to say for sure one thing, and you're going to laugh because I've just been talking about this, the whole podcast, something that we absolutely lacked looking back on it. We never threw rubber even remotely from the start. And that has been something that kind of just shines year round where blades can be just so hot and cold. So that's just something that we kind of lacked from the start and definitely looking back on wish we could have maybe done something about that. And then some advice that we did and it actually helped a ton is that go into your local bait shops, buy stuff because you can't just ask questions. If you don't buy anything, buy stuff, ask a bunch of questions and don't be, you know, you don't say like, what lakes do you fish? Kind of ask like how you fish stuff or what's been working lately. I mean, I remember specifically in town, I don't know how many people on this podcast know tadpole sports in town, but you know, Todd tadpole, we asked him one weekend, you know, when we were kind of first fishing suckers and we're like, what should we be doing are we just gonna go along weeds and cast and hopefully something comes up are we gonna fish deep or what are we gonna do and he's like oh you know this time of year there's a bunch of fish on wood and we're like oh wood like okay and then we went and found some cribs that he kind of pointed us in the right direction and we caught we caught like two fish in 20 minutes at the time yeah max just said it was the biggest fish ever that was brian's fish on a sucker and i think that might have been our first sucker fish ever too and and it was like a 44 45 i don't think we really measured it super well but it was all of that because it was just long and um got another one like 20 minutes later on a medusa and i think that was my first ever rubber fish and then we got you know another great fish that night for brian um during a moon phase you know we saw like, oh, there's a moon phase an hour past dark. We should kind of give it a shot, you know. 
just stuff like that, asking around and just getting little nuggets from all sorts of people, going to as many bait shops as you can, message people, you know, just don't be afraid to ask and kind of try new things. Don't just kind of landlock yourself. That was another thing that we did. Uh, we did very well at that. We used to fish the chain and the chain only, nothing against the chain. But man, once we started getting off the chain, we saw the potential of what musky fishing truly has to offer. <laughs> not not bashing it because the chain is awesome and it can provide some pretty stellar action days. But that's just, that's what I got to say about that. What do you have to say, Max? No, I think it's a great point. Is that actually something was going to be part of my answer? Because I think, you know, the common answer here is, you know, learn your local body of water as best you can, right? So it's like if you have a cabin on a lake in the Northwoods or you, know, you live on a lake in Southern Wisconsin or something like that, like really get in tune with that body of water, learn it. That's all great and everything. Um, but I think, you know, if I were to give somebody advice, it would actually be get out of your comfort zone quicker. Um, I, like Gus just said, I mean, I think we really started to become much better anglers when we were forced to get on a body of water, study it before, you know, using apps like Navionics, Google maps, stuff like that, learning a body of water, getting out there, getting your butt kicked, you know, a few different times and kind of forcing your hand to, you know, learn and try different things. Um, I think is, is super huge, you know, on top of that, just absorb as much stuff as you can. I mean, obviously, a little bit biased here, but listen to as many podcasts as you can listen to people that have, you know, spent significant time on the water, uh, to what they, to what they're talking about, watch YouTube videos, just absorb much, as much as you can. And then I think lastly would just be, um, yeah, take notes, you know, while, while you're listening to podcasts, while you're watching YouTubes. And then lastly, you know, I would say just fish as much as you can. I know that's kind of an obvious answer, but if you have two hours in the morning, just get out. I mean, I would say, you know, I think Gus would agree with me on this, but I pretty much learn something new almost every single time I fish, you know, whether that's by myself or if I'm with other people, you know, that's another thing is, is get out and try to fish with other people. Um, see what they're doing, what they're using, how they're snapping rubber, how they're working a blade. I mean, even today, you know, I'm, I'm throwing that double 10 and I'm getting some action and Clayton goes, you know, do you ever try to change directions when you're throwing blades? And I was like, you know, I, I I've tried it in the past and I guess it's just a great reminder. And I started changing the directions and started getting follows, getting some, you know, fish looking at it a little bit more. So it's just stuff like that where, you know, get out with other people, fish with other people, but I'd say get out of your comfort zone as quickly as you can. I think it just kind of forces your hand to become a better angler quickly. All right. Our buddy Lanky J, shout out Jason. Uh, he asked, any scary stories with baits stuck in your hand or fish that bit you? I don't know if you can I don't know if you can hear this, but I am knocking on wood because I do not have a scary story, but I'm going to pass it right back to Max because he's got a doozy that maybe some people have heard or Maybe just the people we know. I don't know, but it's it's a good one to hear. Yeah, I'm glad you knocked on some wood because as a guide and how much time you fish, I think it's more of a uh, a when, not an if. So you better be prepared for that. Um, yeah, I don't know if I've told this story. I think I told it on the Musky Hunks podcast actually, but it happened last year when Gus and I were fishing on the uh, in the PMTT here in Eagle River. 
And, um, you know, we were able to luckily enough catch a very large fish in that tournament. And as I, yeah, the biggest of the tournament, thank, thankfully. And as I went to release it, um, you know, it was a very windy day. I tried to get the, the fish's head up wind. I had a lot of adrenaline going, so I probably just wasn't really thinking very clearly. And as I turned the fish's head up wind, uh, my thumb got cut in its, you know, mouth essentially. And it thrashed back the opposite way and completely unzipped my entire thumb. Um, when I say it unzipped my thumb, I mean, it literally was pouring out blood onto the bottom of the boat. I mean, it literally was just like a red pool at the bottom of the boat. Um, you know, it was a mixed emotions because we, you know, just realized we might actually be somewhat in this tournament to place in the top 10. And so we were very excited. I, I don't think there was much pain at all because I was so just jacked up but um at the same time it was like such a bad cut that it, we didn't really know what to do and so you know luckily Gus was pretty well equipped on the boat with some first aid stuff and was able to bandage it up and I still tell this story because it's funny when Gus looked at me and he's like so you're good to keep fishing right <laughs> I was like well yeah I mean I'm blue in the face and might be a little lightheaded for the rest of the day but we'll we'll make it happen and we stuck it out. Thankfully, we were just trolling that day. But, yeah, my thumb was pretty much mangled for the next week. I mean, we fished in Monday Night Muskie League the following night, and I was pretty much fishing with, you know, essentially one hand. And I think there's a video even of me trying to high-five you, and I, I, like, pull back at the last second. And, yeah, I think I ended up getting six stitches up my thumb, and it was pretty gnarly. Thankfully, there was no permanent damage i feel like it probably could have been worse with where my thumb ended up you know kind of being but um yeah that uh that was a scary few seconds so you know uh i guess moral of the story is just have a first aid kit on the boat <laughs> make sure you have a hook cutters and make sure you have a, some some good band-aids and some bandages and all that good stuff that you know could help kind of sew up a quick uh quick flesh wound um, but yeah, I've seen some gnarly stuff. I mean, we've heard stories up here, you know, uh, I had, I've had more, more hooks stuck in my thumb, uh, just kind of growing up and stuff than I think Gus ever did. And I don't know if I'm just more clumsy or what, but when I was in the hospital as a kid, I got a, a thumb stuck in my hook. I think we were just walleye fishing or something. And the nurse told me about a story of a guy who went to try to hand land a muskie and the, the bait popped out of the, the fish's uh, mouth. And it, it, he got a treble hook in his hand and his forehead and it was attached. And so not only did he lose the fish, but he had, uh, you know, I don't know what lure it was, but he had a, a musky lure in his hand and his hand in his face. So I couldn't even imagine the scene. He said he was fishing solo. He had to drive back to the launch with a musky bait hanging from his forehead and put his boat in and then drive to the hospital. <laughs> That's a tough afternoon. I think I may have something to add here. Uh, my my brain could be fuzzy on this one, probably from the lure hitting my head. But I think back in the day, Brian clocked me in the side of the head of the spinner bait way back in our bass fishing days. So, shout out Brian! You'll be hearing this on Thursday. Uh, thanks for the spinner bait side of the head. Thankfully, did not get any hooks. I could be making that story up. I might just be making that story up. But, <laughs> anyways. Uh, let's go on to our next question. A little bit more of a technical question. So Gus, I'm going to give this one to you. Uh, when do you use wire versus fluoro leaders? I used to fish fluoro on most of the setups that we had. And I think I just did because it was popular. 
And then the more I fished, I thankfully never had a scary story with fluoro. I uh, still use fluoro, actually, you know, three foot fluorocarbon leaders for trolling. But with casting, I am a 100% solid ring uh, wire leader guy. I'll use the multi-strand leaders for rubber. And I use, well, actually make my own straight wire leaders for crankbaits dive and rise and bucktails and glide baits as well so i actually just don't mess with floral carbon i fish clear water stained water i don't think it matters too much i think it's just kind of personal preference i don't want to like tell people what they should do but i just feel like i just have more confidence always having a straight wire leader and then with rubber having a multi-strand coated wire where you just know, I mean, we've had fish headhunt the living daylights out of baits and be, you know, leader half in the mouth. So the last thing I want is to have something that can slice in half from a tooth. So I just stick to wire for both. Um, and I think I think that's about it on that. All right. And that question, question was by uh, Parker Shoe. Sorry, I didn't give you a shout out there. So thanks for the question, Parker. All right, next question comes from Ashuman, Ashuman, one, two, three. Alec. Alec. <laughs> Alec, thanks for the question. All right, he asks, how do I catch fish in bright, sunny, and hot conditions? You're going to have to go tubular on that one. Get out the tubes, pop it, and honestly, if it gets hot, sunny, muggy, and there's no wind, I will probably push in shallower and start casting shorter and move the boat slower. And it's at that point, you're not looking for a hot fish. You're just looking to get the dumbest fish to come out and just have the most ferocious reaction strike possible. I think a glide bait actually would be another great option. I am no glide bait master. I really actually don't use them a whole lot only have you know so many fish to boot on on glide baits and we've moved some missed some but i think that would probably be another one or maybe i don't know now i'm thinking it's like i could start saying like every lure but i I feel like maybe some sort of dive and rise bait whether it be a crankbait that you're you know pulling and pulling down and letting hop up and maybe a suic too but typically i'm personally gonna throw on a a tube and if there's more than one people that's when you bring out something like either or on a glide or a crankbait of some sort so i actually think you know if it's if it's bright sunny and hot conditions there's you know two different variations of that if it's flat calm bright hot and sunny um definitely agree with you there gus obviously um if it's calm too you know the question is how do i catch fish in those conditions but i would say you know, too, like use that time as good scouting as well. I mean, you can see down into the water really easily. So check out how weeds lay out. Um, if you're able to move some fish during those conditions, because I feel like that's kind of a time that's flat, sunny, you know, calm. We're able to sometimes move fish and then, you know, put the waypoint down, go back onto those fish during either a weather change or some sort of moon would be my advice there. Uh, but if it's windy and bright and sunny and hot, you know, like Gus said, that's the time to bring out the big rubber. I mean, that's that's actually kind of 
big blades, big rubber. I mean, sometimes bright sun and hot and wind can be great conditions to musky fish in. I mean, you don't always need that, you know, musky fisherman's dream weather where you have clouds and a light, you know, variable rain on and off and stuff like that. I mean, sometimes just getting out there, some of that big wind, big, big sun, big heat. I mean, you can get some big bites that way. All righty. Um, this question is from Nick Fiesler from the Musky Hunks podcast. Uh, real quick shout out to our guy from uh, the Musky Hunks, Tom Vanetta. Uh, I don't know all the details. I'll I'll be curious to tune into the the uh, the next Musky Hunks podcast because I'm sure they'll talk about it. But uh, for those of you who don't know, Tom, um, is the the founder of Saddle Tramp Baits. And, uh, you know, he makes his own kind of rubber swim baits and uh, they must've been on some sort of trip and he caught, I don't know if it was his first fish on those baits. So they were making their debut or what, but he caught a just monstrosity of a muskie on his own creation. Uh, you know, North of 50 inches, just built like a shit brick house with the big O's dozer. So I think it was a little bit of a musky, uh, musky hunks collab to get that fish in the net. So that was probably a pretty cool experience for them. I could only imagine that would be a dream for me catching a world-class PB fish on a bait that you, you know, created would be pretty sweet. But Nick asks, you know, best topwater bait in your opinion. Um, if you've been a day one listener, you've heard me fawn over the Suic Nightwalker. You know, I've cooled on it a little bit, unfortunately. I think this year the topwater fishing has been excuse my language it's been ass uh it just has been it's been bad um so the suic nightwalker is currently in a, a pretty lengthy timeout for me i mean that was my go-to last year and the year prior um but yeah this this year you know the flat tail is is done well for us on uh, the minimal bites that we've gotten on top water and, and pretty much all of those have been after dark you know or at that dark period so yeah, I mean, topwater fishing was was always near and dear to my heart. It's it's one of my favorite ways to catch a muskie, but unfortunately, it's just been a tall task this year. So I don't know if you guys have also experienced that. We've heard it from other guides and other people that we've chatted with here locally that it's just been a tough topwater bite this year. But maybe I got to switch it up and go to the you know Team Rhino Outdoors website and start looking at some new. Uh, topwater baits to try out and maybe maybe have a new favorite because the ones i've been throwing haven't even been getting a sniff so um i am by no means topwater king over here i will throw it very very rarely uh picking out my favorite i guess i'll just i uh, you just said the two that i like actually is it's the flap tail or the suic nightwalker and i think the other one that we do like to throw a good bit very popular bait but the fat bastard that can shine 100 percent. i mean we got we got a few and there's this one that whistles pretty well and i think that's kind of the key is if you just kind of get one that sounds a little bit different that's probably going to be your next favorite top water and going to be the one that's going to get bit all right, our next question comes from Jacob. He asks, any creeks, rivers near Eagle River worth fishing? I mean, I will say there's a plethora of small kind of 
um, you know, creeks, rivers to fish in, in the Vilas County area. I wouldn't say it's something that we do all too often. I mean, we don't have kind of the right rig, I feel like, for it. Um, I do know, you know, it is prevalent for some people and they do well doing it. So I'd say, you know, Jacob, if you had, you know, the right tools at your disposal to uh, just do some exploring, I mean, you know, try to find rivers and, and creeks that are connected to bodies of water that hold musky and, and go from there. If you got a few extra hours during an afternoon, you want to go fish a river or a creek. I mean, there's plenty of very large fish that get pulled out of very skinny water every single year. So I don't know if you have anything to add there, Gus, but we, you know, we just don't do it very much. So uh, appreciate your question, but we're probably the wrong, wrong people to ask there. All right, let's move on to our last question here. I think it's actually a pretty good one from Jack. Why does Brian miss half the episodes? <laughs> that's, that's a good one, Jack. Well, you know, the kid just loves to party. Um, I guess he lacks on the sleep. He's been, you know, always telling me, just, oh, yeah, a lot of golf. Always, always saying, you know, hey, don't fish too late on Sundays. I got to get up for work so we can record the podcast. And then he ends up not being able to come on even at a reasonable time here. But, you know. Uh, I don't know if you got anything else to add on that, Max. I mean, we might just have to grill him next week when he's back on. I mean, the guy, the guy grinds, you know, guy grinds Monday through Friday. Uh, and he just needs to blow off some steam during the weekend. Uh, maybe let's have to start recording. We'll have to start recording at the old timers dinner hour on Sunday nights. You know, maybe a little four thirty five p.m. start. <laughs> I don't know. We we love uh we love when Brian can contribute. He's a vital member of the Muskies on Tap podcast, so we'll uh we'll be excited to have him back on next week, and I'm sure he'll be a staple year moving forward. Obviously, um you know just uh sometimes he's scheduling things. You know I think with um the reality of it all is you know Gus is on the water a lot. Um you know getting these recorded, edited, and put out every Thursday is you know I think a kind of a pretty big effort within themselves and something we probably overlooked slightly when we wanted to start a podcast. Uh, we talked a little bit about it with Jeff. That's just, you know, it's more work than I think we thought it was going to be coming up with some stuff to talk about, you know, on top of then the, the editing and, and linking up all three of our, our busy schedules. So um, we do our best. We do our best, but uh, yeah. Love Brian. We love his contribution on this thing. It's it's a necessary necessary component to Muskies on Tap. The Mott crew misses you, Brian. The Mott crew misses you. All right, I believe that wraps up the last of the Q&A. So thank you for the listeners and the viewers of Muskies on Tap Instagram to send those questions in such short notice. We appreciate that, giving us something to kind of talk about tonight. Like we said, we typically will try and have someone to interview for the week and then maybe some reports, but, you know, it's good to have fillers. It's kind of good to go through some technical aspects of the sport. I think it was two weeks ago when we discussed some pretty basic fundamentals, but those are some really important things. I mean, that really goes back to that Q&A question on um, kind of like what could you have done differently is, is, you know, along with fishing with other people is that when you're able to get on a boat with somebody who is, and you know, a great stick is to just watch them, you know, obviously ask them questions, but just by visually watching 
uh, you're going to learn so much. So that's definitely something that I recommend doing. And, you know, going back to our midsummer recap here, this is the time of the year to be on the water and catch big fish and catch multiple fish. Uh, the windows are open, you know, plenty through the day. As long as you know you're finding the right bait by at least, you know, switching around a little bit and just keeping with the confidence baits, but just switching a little bit here and there to kind of figure out what they want for the day. You'll be in good shape to definitely get multiple bites. And I just still think looking at that weather, you know, staying warm and then having a cool down. I mean, it might start to get tough during the middle of the day and obviously maybe unfishable with the water temps. But the morning fishing, I think, is going to be spectacular this week. And probably the night fishing, I think I'm going to dive into that a little bit. But we'll see. And this cool down, I think, is going to absolutely fire off. If you've been on a lake and it's been tough, I think this is now actually your time. Once this rain is coming and the, you know, the nights into the 40s and the highs and the low 70s, this is your time to get on those smaller bodies of water that were probably maybe shut off for a little bit. Uh, that's one thing I did not touch on is that actually I've been sticking to larger bodies of water. And that actually might be the key because every time we've stepped foot on a smaller body of water up here, it has been shut off. Fish are just, they're giving us the cold shoulder and lazy follows and just minimal eats. And I think it's going to absolutely light up here for those bodies of waters that just, we're not doing very well recently. So definitely keep an eye on that. Yeah. Like Gus said, just get out on the water. You know, we're living in the good time of the summer right now. You know, you're out on the water, you got the shorts, you got the, the fishing shirt, you got the t-shirt on, whatever. It's nice. The weather's great. You know, the nights start to cool down. You throw on that light hoodie, just enjoy it because in due time, we're going to be breaking out the Sims bibs. <laughs> it's going to be cold. It's going to be windy. We might be fishing during snow, sleet, rain, whatever. You know, this next eight-week period is is the go time for sure. So enjoy it. Hope everyone is catching some great fish. Um, I do want to mention, if you have made it this far in the episode, first of all, we appreciate you. Second of all, we are going to launch, you know, kind of a new segment to end our podcast with that we wanted to kind of try to roll out and see how it works. Uh, but we kind of want to do this thing. At, well, we don't kind of. We we want to do this thing called the the common man musky segment. So you know, guys like us and and our people that listen to this, you know, we want to shine light on other people's awesome catches and stories and stuff like that. I mean, I think that's kind of what was a little bit of the foundation of this podcast was the whole idea where you're just cracking a beer and telling fish stories. And so, I think it's an element we really want to to add to the podcast. So. Now, kind of how I see it playing out is if you, you know, have a picture of a fish or a catch that you recently had, uh, send it into the muskies on tap Instagram or just text me, uh, max at 920-205-9192, uh, either or works, but send in your picture. If you have a funny little story with it, great. If not, no worries. You can just say, you know, Hey, I caught this awesome fish and, you know, feel free to, to, talk about it on the podcast you know we'd be happy to do that maybe we'll start sharing some of the pictures on the musky on tap page um just thought it'd be kind of a fun little thing so yeah if you if you have a picture of a fish that you're proud of whether it was 
you know, yeah, your first fish on rubber, first topwater fish, just a big fish. Doesn't even have to be your personal best. I mean, nothing crazy. We just want to hear from you guys, see your pictures of fish. We love, love, like I said, chatting with you guys on Instagram, all that stuff. So yeah, just thought it would be a cool segment, I guess, to introduce. We'll see how it goes. Uh, so that's starting this week. Uh, feel free to send in, like I said, a picture of your fish to the Muskies on Tap page or just text me. Um, we'll be happy to kind of shine some light on, you know, everybody else and try to keep growing this community. So, uh, yeah, that's that's all I got to say on that. But we're looking forward to hopefully getting some pictures from you guys and, you know, seeing how, uh, seeing how you know, you guys are faring this summer. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. And I'm actually really, really looking forward to that. And I just cannot wait seeing all the catches from the listeners. You know, I love, love seeing, love seeing musky picks all the time anyways. So, you know, the more the merrier, love a good musky story. And yeah, I think it's just a great idea and I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. So with that being said, I think we can wrap this podcast up tonight. Uh, I think it was a, I think it was a good one. I had a good time tonight talking, talking some more muskies with you, Max. You know, we'll get Brian on next week. And like uh, I think Max said already, this podcast, we are going to have a guest on next week prior to going to Vermilion. And we are super pumped for that one. We are getting, yeah, as Max just said, we're we're stepping out of our Wisconsin comfort zones. and And I'm just, we're... We're all just really, really excited for it. So everyone stay tuned for that. I hope you enjoyed this one. Thank you to all the listeners. We wouldn't be doing this unless it was you guys listening in and giving us feedback and all that good stuff. We, We appreciate you here at Mott. The Mott crew appreciates you. So thanks for listening. Uh, Stay tuned for the next one. See you guys later. Thank you.